what we aim to do at Spiden is re really aim to take the vitals that you would get from a typical uh, wearable um, device today, add the continuous glucose monitoring capabilities, and then add other markers on top. And quite frankly, even I cannot even imagine how the world would look like once we have like five, six, seven markers up and running. I just can't. Like it's like when you um, when you bought your first smartphone. Um, you had no idea that one day you would do e-banking on it and, and dating and, and I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? So, so, so um, I, I want to start with glucose and I want to get it right. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Welcome to Impulse, the podcast where we dive into the most exciting breakthroughs in healthcare of our time. In each episode, I sit down with some of the most brilliant minds that are using technology to rethink the way we care inspiring and passionate to tell you all about their innovation and how it will impact the lives of millions. My name is Matthew Chafford. I'm a biomedical engineer and medical technology enthusiast. And in this podcast, we take the pulse of this incredible field. Welcome to Impulse. So good morning, Leo. Um, welcome to this new episode of Impulse. Um, really, really grateful to have you, to have you here uh, in Zurich. And I'm very excited to learn about your activities at Spiden. We've been in contact for a bit more than a year now, thanks to, to Lucas Langenegger from Hemotune, whom you know as well and whom I also had the chance to, to receive on the show. Um, it was for episode four, so it was a really good episode where we talked about how they are uh, filtering blood using magnetic uh, nanoparticles. Uh, that's a way to treat sepsis, and um, it's a critical condition where the, the body is unable to control its own immune response following an infection and usually it is a lethal thing so it's quite a serious condition that they're um, targeting it might sound like i'm advertising for another episode as well but i also had the chance to discuss with esmeralda megali from Exensio about their approach to monitor proteins and hormones uh, continuously and in a non-invasive way uh, which is also quite fascinating from my perspective and, and impressive in terms of the promise it has for the prevention and the management of certain diseases. Um, the reason I'm bringing it up is twofold. So I think both Esmeralda and myself uh, and yourself, sorry, are evolving in a very similar space, uh, which I think we could define as next generation biosensing. So you're able to monitor um, certain molecules flowing through our body in an uninvasive and unwearable format. And second, both her and myself were super intrigued by what you and your team are working on. Because when we go to your website, um, the first thing that comes to our eyes is this quote, um, a revolutionary leap forward in the well-being of humanity through real-time continuous biomarker and drug monitoring. So beyond this, state, the, this mission statement, there isn't much available um, in term, out there in terms of the technology you're working on and the products you are developing alongside it. So this probably reflects a conscious way uh, to limit the communication that you've done externally up to now. And it seems from the outside that you've been working very much in stealth mode um, since the creation of the company back in 2017. So all of that to say that I feel very privileged to be with you um, to learn more about what you guys are up to and what lies behind this revolutionary technology that you've been working on. Um, to get us started on the right tracks, I'd invite you to present yourself. Um, thank you very much, Mathieu, for having me. Um, and yes, uh, also very, very happy that you, you kept persistent and, and uh, we managed to speak today. Um, so 
My name is Leo Grunstein and uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur, have been so for the last uh, 16 years um, after hanging the uh, typical business background, uh, um, brainwash industry uh, um, jobs onto the nail, uh, having started first my career in investment banking, um, then in uh, strategy consulting, where I was here with McKinsey in the Zurich office. Um, but really the majority of my experience over the last 16 years comes from building startup companies. And um, I've moved from e-commerce and marketplaces, always looking for application of more and more impact to what it is that I do, to fintech and eventually to deep tech. Um, and as you mentioned, I started Spiden, yes, five and a half years ago as the founder and CEO and have been running it since. So you come from a very different, let's say, field than what you're operating in now, right? I mean, Spiden is kind of like a medical technology company in a way. Um, what brought you there, basically? Because you, you said you come from finance. Um, what, what, what's, what was the journey to that? Um, it's really the application of value investing principles to the early selection of startups, understanding that building anything is really, really hard. And so if you already embark on this at times painful and, and very uh, long um, lasting journey, I feel you're doing yourself uh, and your team and your investors a favor by picking a topic to conquer that is really impactful. And so after having had a couple successes in the fintech space, um, like for example, co-founding Money Park here in Switzerland, I thought, um, what better to do with my time than contributing to true longevity uh, advancement for humanity. This is probably one of the most um, interesting things I could spend my life's energy on. And so I uh, jumped into the into the Spiden idea um, heads on because, because I knew if we can make an impact there, um, the financial success will come by itself, but the impact will outweigh um, most other startups I've worked with uh, on in the past. And uh, that would be something I could be really proud about. And so I didn't shy away from not having the scientific the background, background yeah. uh, because I knew from the beginning it's a multidisciplinary um, yeah. endeavor where you anyways have to bring so many scientific disciplines together that no single one scientific discipline would necessarily give you like a crazy head start and that the pieces that I would need in order to be successful with Spiden would be very applicable actually from the same uh, parameters that you need to build a successful team and manage it well in other fields as well. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, I think we'll dive into that. I think I'm super interested to know, you know, as well, how do you, how do you broaden? Because when we go to your website, we see the team, um, there are people from with like very uh, impressive track records from Baxter academics from Columbia university and so on. And we'll get back to it to understand, you know, how you convince them that, you know, potentially what you want to do is feasible uh, from a scientific perspective without having that background and so on. So super interested, but before that, could you, could you elaborate on what's the mission from, from Spiden? You mentioned longevity and we mentioned a bit biomarker tracking and so on. Sure. Um, it's really the, um, the future that we see in a way where continuous health monitoring um, will become the new norm um, and a real platform for true longevity and health extension. And today uh, you can see already a first uh, glimpse of that by um, wellness wearables, as I would call them, or uh, on glucose, uh, as an example, biomarker CGM, so it's called continuous glucose monitoring devices, like the ones from Abbott and Dexcom, for example, um, where people actually understand that 
only what you can measure can you improve. And so they are trying to access data, um, be it on, a, on your Apple Watch, your heart rate or um, your, I don't know, like skin temperature, uh, etc., all the way to a specific biochemical compounds. And um, Spiden's mission is to really build a new biosensing technology platform from the ground up um, that would uh, really uniquely allow us to tap into um, measuring biochemical biomarkers um, non-invasively through the skin. So the idea would be to come up with a new sort of wearables or to provide a type of technology that would go, I see you're wearing an Apple watch that would go into one of these devices or it's like completely yeah. another. So the, the idea is to create our own um, multi-biomarker wearable, starting with glucose as the key first launch marker that has a very established use case in market. Um, the, the, maybe to, to also quickly touch upon your uh, point before, the website um, is deliberately um, very vague yeah. um, because uh, we didn't see any value so far in actually communicating um, to the outside world what it is that we were working on. Um, and we are all people that are very um, non-ego driven, um, just uh, getting stuff done and, and not necessarily promoting themselves while they do it. Um, and so we just didn't see any value. And only as of actually um, this year, have we decided to start raising our profile a little bit, sharing with the world what it is that we do. Uh, we plan to do so in some publications that can be peer reviewed and and that should demonstrate the quality of the work that we do. Um, and I'll even like, yeah, this is the first podcast I do, but I'll also be like speaking at a couple conferences um, uh, more and more over the next couple months to to share our work on creating this um, this uh, non-invasive, uh, uh, basically wearable that Spiden wants to create, which deliberately will not be a, a supplier to an Apple Watch or a Samsung uh, watch, uh, but aims to create its own um, health-focused wearable. That's great. And I think you you will be part of Bits and Brazil's health tech yes. in Munich. So I look forward to, to attending your speech. I'll be there as well for work. Um, so... You've you've told us you know what where the where the idea comes from um, the impact that you wanted to have with that company. Um, now maybe we can dive a bit further into the technology itself. Um, I think when we going back to what's available on the website, you mentioned that it's about you know spectral techniques. So it's like I guess it's it's a bit similar or in my mind it's similar to. It's a very complicated word. I think it's PPG. So that's the way that, you know, um, Apple Watches or other devices are um, using um, light signals to monitor your heart rate, um, pulse duration, this kind of th this kind of things. So can you tell us a bit more to the extent possible to share um, what's behind all of yeah. that? So um, you're absolutely right. The current wearable devices use so-called PPG sensors, which are um, basically... Um, commoditized so yeah. if you wanted you could create tomorrow a Mathieu wearable you can order it probably from Foxconn they'll make it for you ship it to you and in three months you can start selling your own uh, Mathieu wearable which can do uh, what we call the typical vitals uh, vital indicators so what we built at Spiden is really a new um, absolutely new sensing platform which uh, basically starts from a um, from a microchip level um, where we've created our own microchips um, in order to be able to um, conduct spectroscopy measurements um, in a more performant way, having a novel detector. Um, and then uh, we 
are able to disentangle because of our detecting capabilities some otherwise intertwined spectroscopy signals um, and and we use uh, basically established um, spectroscopy techniques that um, have been around for decades but have been only um, controllable in a lab setting and what we do is we um, create a so-called photonic engine which is a miniaturized and robust controllable version of that so we don't invent the individual spectroscopy techniques yeah. but we create a so-called multimodal spectroscopy um, approach um, through uh, basically um, miniaturizing and robust making of the hardware um, so we take basically what has been uh, available in labs uh, that needed a gigantic room, probably twice the size of the room we're sitting in right now, with blacked out windows and 20 PhDs to uh, calibrate it and massage the data. And we do it in a, in a controllable um, uh, and miniaturized way. Um, and we have a um, unique, um, basically, um, sample um, interface uh, capability where we can distinguish between what is so-called ISF, which means interstitial fluid, and what is blood. Um, and we basically have a bunch of patents around how to um, apply our uh, specific spectroscopy techniques um, to um, uh, use the, the sample interface as an advantage to um, control your experiment. And then we have um, machine learning algorithms on the ML side, which is the biggest part of our team, to make robust concentration um, uh, derivations for, uh, in the presence of basically unlimited confounders. Because um, as you can imagine, we can only train the model on uh, so many people at some point there will always be the next person that has a new um, weird looking thing that you, the model has never seen before and so what we are doing is we're trying to make sure that the model is robust to um, distortions by confounding factors on the ml side and that's a mathematically quite uh, challenging task um, and and really the three the um, the photonics engine the um, sample in uh, basically interface uh, or experimental setup on how we measure and the ml are the core three pillars of our technology. And so you mentioned that the first uh, biomarkers or first molecules that you were um, aiming to monitor are sugar. And uh, I guess you mentioned only sugar. So I was wondering um, to which, what's the limit with this basically? Because sugar, I think it's so, there are other ways to measure it invasively in a way. We've like about Freestyle Libre devices you mentioned, um, but it's quite an established one. Like what's the, could we say that you could measure any types of molecules with that technology? Um, what's the limit and where? what's the direction beyond uh, glucose monitoring? So first I'm, I'm uh, uh, smiling a bit that you say that Abbott Freestyle Libre is already quite established because it only launched a couple of years ago. And you're absolutely right. They, they made like, I think over 4 billion in revenue with this last year. Yet it's a, quite an expensive device and uh, most diabetics still prick their fingers um, in terms of uh, both dollar and people terms um, uh, to measure their, their uh, glucose values. Now, having said that, for us, um, creating a non-invasive glucose sensor uh, as compared to what we call the Libre, a minimally invasive um, glucose sensor that needs a microneedle that needs to be exchanged every two weeks um, is already a, a gigantic uh, um, like holy grail. So, yeah, so if yeah. we can crack that, we're already very, very happy. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a very um, impactful uh, and big market. Now, um, 
we deliberately chose a technology that is light-based and not chemistry-based. So um, compared to all other basically um, biomarker blood tests, whether minimally invasive or, or a venous or a finger prick blood draw are done chemically, uh, where you have a specific reagent that binds onto the specific biomarker and then you understand through the, um, basically uh, um, through uh, like the, the reaction of that reagent what the concentration has been now in our case because we um, basically you can imagine um, shine light on it and what comes back is like a camera approach so we always see everything that at some point we would be able to measure so even if i now only focus on glucose it's a bit like me saying i focus only on your headset in this room but over time as i make more and more videos of this room i will uh, be able to screen for the microphone for your macbook for this painting or picture or whatever so so um it's a camera-based approach uh, that as its limit really has only two things um it's the complexity of the molecule and its uh, inherent light um, reactivity if you will and it's uh, the concentration of that um, biomarker meaning uh Maybe as a summary, if you take like the top 300 uh, markers that a very, very complex um, lab-based blood test would give you, our goal and, and sort of um, research even shows that we would be able at some point to measure maybe like I don't know, 120 out of these 300. Yeah. There are some maybe 50, 60 that will be tough. And then probably there's like over 100 uh, that we would never be able to do. Because, because of, of those limits. Very low concentration and or... Um, just the lack of reactivity to light um, and and it's a pity like there are some really cool markers uh, among these um, but but I think being able to start with glucose as a super impactful marker um, and then add markers on top uh, without changing the hardware basically through over-the-air updates uh, as people wear it and are happy with the glucose we provide them they actually give us the data back to ship them the second the third combinations supplementation medication suggestions etc so it would be um uh, quite an interesting platform obviously we are quite excited we think if this can be like a like a smartphone uh, moment for for humanity having access to what has been uh, unlocked from them uh, before uh, being such valuable as longitudinal health data and I had a question around, um, so the types of users, because these technology, continuing with that um, analogy to about Freestyle Libre, this is now coming to the consumer market. So there are now people who are not diabetics who can use them to monitor their glucometry, learn about, you know, how their lifestyle influences their, their, their glucose values. Um, is your idea first to only target, you know, come up with a medical device that will be uh, you know, prescribed um, for people who have diabetes or is it something that you want to um, make available for everyone um, in a consumer-driven um, way? So the idea is absolutely uh, to create a medical device which type 1 and type 2 diabetics can use uh, to improve their lives. Um, however, uh, this regulated device uh, will probably take us two more years to regulate than we could um, uh, basically do with a, or two years longer than uh, what we would need in order to launch a so-called um, consumer device before. Um, and given that we're already five plus years old and that if everything goes well, at best, we will have a product in market with a non-invasive glucose um, measurement capability 
in two and a half years from now, I would prefer to be rather eight years old than 10 years old before starting to make revenues, just uh, for the sake of sleeping better. At yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so to answer your question, there is um, what we call... Um, so, so actually, uh, maybe let me start differently. There are many offerings for consumers to monitor their um, glucose spikes, um, which then help them to, um, I don't know, optimize well-being, sports, um, etc., nutrition. Uh, we feel this is not a very big market. Um, we think that, and even though we all are like that, I would call that biohackers yeah. um, uh, in terms of people that work at Spiden, um, we think that it's very dangerous to extrapolate from yourself onto the whole world um, and basically think that everyone now wants to measure the glucose, etc. There are, like for example, some really great people um, uh, that educate and pave the awareness of consumers to understand how dangerous glucose spikes are, what their effect is, and how optimally um, to control them. Mm -hmm. There's one um, of our advisors, for example, Jessie Inchospe. She has an Instagram channel called Glucose Goddess, where I invite you to check it out. She has yeah. over 2 million followers explaining exactly, um, basically, um, food and nutrition and lifestyle uh, suggestions that influence positively her glucose spikes, which she currently measures with one of the minimally invasive CGMs. Yeah. Um, but we think that the probably better market for our initial product would be potentially um, uh, people that are at the risk of becoming diabetic, that are not diabetic yet. Yeah. Um, diabetics being like 200 million uh, of a group, there is uh, probably over half a billion people that um, are at risk of becoming diabetic. And it could be people, you'd be surprised from like every pregnancy should measure their um, yeah. glucose spikes. So very, very... Um, uh, um, sort of uh, impactful thing there to to help out with monitoring it all the way to people that are obese um, have a genetic predisposition um, have insulin resistance so so there is a very big group of people that um, actually uh, would really really benefit of having a continuous glucose monitor and we think if you give them a needle free option would actually be very happy to to use it rather than today's invasive or minimally invasive options and this would be more our target customers first i see and the format uh, of that that would be would that be like um, a bracelet would that be like a patch would that be do you, or is this figured out already um, it's not final yet um, but we Uh, believe that uh, our first product most likely will be a um, bracelet um, that will just focus on only health. Um, it won't have Spotify, Maps, <laughs> Strava on it, etc. Um, but we would want it to focus only on health um, and be a dedicated health wearable um, that basically people buy and appreciate for uh, the um, support on improving longevity as, as they wear it. I think it's it's super interesting and i had I received on the show as well the medical director of uh, actia mm -hmm. uh, you know it's also a swiss company yeah. and they're basically cracked a bit the the code to enable continuous monitoring of blood pressure like without any cuff and in, and in a continuous way so they have like a bracelet that's that same thing like it doesn't doesn't there's no screen it's just like a bracelet for the sake of that and for like two weeks you can you just like use it and and, and have your blood measure blood pressure values continuously it's quite impressive um wanted to go back to the the, the um, what we discussed in the beginning when you, when i asked you about you know where where does the idea come from and how you 
Um, and I was, I was wondering about the team structure and how, you know, when you had the idea, then you have to find, you know, the scientists and the people who have the knowledge and the technical background to kind of like execute on, on that idea. And I was wondering, um, you know, in a field where you haven't been trained and where most likely you did not have much of a network before, um, how did you manage that and how do you keep on attracting such talents at your company? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So um, when I started uh, Spiden, um, it was, of course, uh, the mo- most difficult uh, time. Um, I had various CTOs, um, I think two prior to the one I have now, um, which uh, means also it shows you the learning curve that I had um, uh, to undergo um, to really understand as a business guy what makes a good CTO in a, on a like real science level. Yeah. Um, and uh, how I did it is basically apart from the painful learning curve, I tried to surround myself with really good advisors that um, I got referred through my network uh, that uh, could help me verify um, what to look for. Um, and a very simple um, thing that I learned um, that I think maybe is worth sharing is that in uh, tech development, uh, it's very, very important um, to be able to explain the most complex scientific things in a way where even I understand it. Mm-hmm. Because if you're the best guru on photonics and you have to collaborate with a super guru on biomedical engineering and another super guru on electrical engineering, if every one of them sp- creates like a complexity silo instead of um, simplifying things, communicating top down, that they are shareable across various disciplines, you won't be able to really achieve a a big goal that requires um, the complementariness of multiple disciplines. And so I think um, what I bring to the table is, and and actually compared to some tech founders, my team tells me sometimes it's an advantage because I'm not in love with a technology. I'm completely technology agnostic. If the team says we need to use this spectroscopy versus this other spectroscopy method, all I ask them is to explain it in simple terms that I understand why yeah. and why and not making the other. A decision. And that they have looked left and right um, to see why companies that have failed before um, uh, have failed and not succeeded and what lessons they learned from that. And so um, it, one thing is to be this technology agnostic and really mission driven. Uh, the other one is to simplify and emphasize um, sharing and non-ego driven um, uh, communication. Um, and uh, destroying silos as they are built up and mini kingdoms and mini ETHs and, and, and uh, MITs that people try to create in, within the organization. Um, and then uh, it's, it's also really um, investing a lot in the team. So whenever I'm not running around um, raising money from investors, I, I try to spend time with the team and, and um, uh, just be available and, and share some of the experiences that I had. Um, and uh, people actually really appreciate it and, and give a lot back um, if you, whenever you invest in them. So um, uh, I think that's also really, really important. And I was wondering how much operational you are then, because you mentioned the CTO, um, and I guess the CTO is a critical role in that case because he's also, or she is also the person who will, you know, advise you on the remaining team members, how to structure, you know, the work. Um, so I was wondering, I assume you don't spend time in the lab, you know, working on the machines, um, but, you know, what, what, what is your contribution on an operational level? So- uh, you know, you'd be surprised, but at Spiden, we live the credo that everyone can talk to anyone at any point in time. Meaning, um, 
I will not ask the CTO for permission and neither should he to speak uh, to whoever he likes in the organization. So um, I would have a one-on-one -on -one with our um, biophotonics um, uh, chief um, or team lead. Um, I had it probably uh, a week and a half ago and uh, we caught up and uh, he tells me how things are going in the lab and um, the CTO wasn't present and that's okay. Um, and, and so apart from, of course, my, my weekly one-on-ones and, and touch points with my direct reports. Um, I spend a lot of time investing in one-on-ones with everyone in the organization whenever I'm around and not raising money right now. So I would say I'm quite operational. Um, I, I would say I understand the, um, the technological choices we make and, and challenge the choices until I understand them um, in, a, in a relatively uh, good depth. Uh, but of course, you're right. I'm I'm not adjusting uh, laser wavelengths in the lab because I'm not uh, like it's it's not the best use of my time. Mm -hmm, for sure. I was also wondering. Um, yeah, you mentioned the the availability of the product. This is like two and a half years away from now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And um, you mentioned as well that, of course, in an entrepreneur project, fundraising is key. I was wondering if you can you could give us like a an estimate or an order of magnitude of what it represents to build such technology from scratch um, since the, the inception of the company in 2016? Sure. So um, I think it's public that we had raised in 21, uh, 25 million francs in two priced rounds. Um, and uh, we have raised um, basically another double digit million amount since. Um, luckily, despite these markets, we, we get good yeah. support. Um, from our investors and and uh, stakeholders, and um, but we try to be as resourceful as we can be because we understand that, um, especially in a market like uh, we have now, um, you should really turn every dollar two three times um, to make sure that when compared to other initiatives, you can achieve more at a fraction of the cost. So um, I, I would hope that if uh, at some point um, once we have. Uh, um, published and shown um, the full figuring out of this holy grail non-invasive um, glucose sensing um, that a company like Apple and Samsung would compare, oh, how much money did these guys invest? How much money did we invest? Um, and and would be actually quite, uh, um, I would say, um, surprised positively and and um, um, admire what we were able to to pull together with relatively limited funds. And I have to give gigantic kudos to everyone in my team because people um, you know, um, they, they try to not draw large salaries. They are all very entrepreneurial. They, they, um, uh, all work, um, for, for the upside of the company. And so, um, uh, it wouldn't be possible without, without a good team. And maybe to circle back to your point of, um, uh, how we continue to attract really good talent. It's really, um, that, uh, recruiting exceptional talent is a, is a, very important to do on all leadership level um, minds at any point in time it's Biden and um, uh, this is also where where sort of my experience from building prior ventures comes in I really ask them to spend a good double digit percentage focus of their time on always being recruiting um, because it's very important um, for a young company uh, to to make sure you know you don't have like key man risk you have always a backup for a backup um, you think about bottlenecks before they become bottlenecks uh, so so 
uh, this is really, really important for us. And, and um, we do it without headhunters. We do it just everyone rolls up their sleeves and works through the network, works through advisors, works through LinkedIn, works through job descriptions and uh, job portals and, and really um, finds good candidates uh, because the best candidates are actually not looking. Yeah, they they're to, already they taken somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. They're not sitting on the street with a sign, hey, hire me, but, but they are very happily employed somewhere else and you have to like oftentimes even establish a relationship there are some candidates I'm, i've been recruiting personally for two three years and and they might convert now might not but i've been uh, very persistent as you have been <laughs> with me i've been very persistent with them because i know it's a, it's an important thing and it also helps me build a relationship um with the right people and so we emphasize recruiting a lot so you have a team of what 50 people now yeah just uh, around 50 yeah And I guess now, I mean, when, when going back to the website, when we see the team, I think it's already like a factor that would, you know, encourage, I assume, like such profiles to join when you see, you know, okay, well, this person is working on this, this person as well. Um, so it really adds like, I think, a lot of credibility and, um, and a lot of attractivity to, to the company as well. By the way, what also helps to attract really phenomenal talent is that we um, were fortunate enough uh, in midst of COVID to build a beautiful lab facility that um, really um, allows a unique um, um, way of working through this complicated topic by combining biomedical engineering, electrical engineering, microchip design, microfluidics, biophotonics, integrated photonics, system integration, and machine learning, and basically one um, uh, data generation pipeline where there's only one door separating the office space from the lab space and communication flows really, really beautifully. So this is, this has been another really cool thing that I think uh, whenever we are approaching good talent also shows them that um, in order to tackle such a complex, uh, uh, holy grail uh, topic, you, you probably will struggle if you set up half your team in America, a third of your team in India, a third of your team in Tenerife under palm trees doing machine learning Like we, we have everyone under one roof, everyone. Uh, we uh, hired many people from abroad that all relocated here with families and children to be part of Spiden. And this is something we are really proud about that um, we, one of our advantages also comes from having everyone under one roof. So there is no remote working no. when you work at Spiden? No. <laughs> It's uh, too, too important of a topic to, to uh, tackle with remote work. I think there are other companies that are probably only software. Those yeah. are more... Um, Uh, prone to be done via remote work but uh, such a scientific multidisciplinary approach would i th i believe suffer uh, have, uh, attempting to do it uh, remotely all right um yeah you've taken us you know through the through the the technology um the company where you guys are standing i think it's it's quite incredible and you mentioned the offices are in zurich or they are like they're in fefikon schwitz actually in Fefikon. Yeah. Ah, okay uh, a bit suburban 25 minutes outside of zurich and you built the, the facility from scratch We um, uh, took a raw concrete block and basically built uh, All the, the interior, yeah. everything from scratch there. Yeah, it was just uh, concrete walls. That's it. No cables, no floor, no ceiling, no nothing. And we basically built a beautiful office and lab there. Super nice. Not really cool. No, but I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed. And um, I think you've already shared, you know, a lot of things that that are new, I, I guess, to the, to the external world. So I'm super thankful for that. Um, really looking forward to seeing, you know, when the, the device comes up and also like what comes up as communications when you release, you know, scientific articles and so on going forward. At the end of each episode, um, I have a couple of recurring questions that I ask to, to every guest. So the first one, um, 
that I would like to ask you, Leo, is uh, what resources would you recommend us to check out in order to know more about the fields or the, the fields with an S um, in which you evolve uh, and what and where Spiden gravitates, be it you know, books, publications, websites um, that might be accessible to anyone who would be interested? Um, It's a tough question because uh, no one has achieved what we aim to achieve, including us yet, right? So we have um, advanced relatively far um, and we have already very encouraging um, results for, for transcutaneous monitoring, um, but uh, no one has cracked it yet. And so um, there's a, if, if you want to have a, um, an assembly of companies that are on the graveyard of those that tried and failed, there is a really cool book called The Deceitful Turkey, um, uh, by John Smith, uh, that is actually freely available online. And here he lists like all the companies that tried and failed. And, and, and we actually use this as an inspiration to analyze why we think they failed and what lesson, um, to, we can derive. Uh, to learn from that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think, uh, you know, if people want to familiarize themselves with this field, um, there are multiple uh, angles to, to go through. Um, one would be to, to, um, install uh, a CGM of minimal invasiveness um, with the microneedle today, even as a healthy uh, um, yeah. person, and just test yourself for two weeks. Everyone will be surprised how personal it is. And, you know, like you would think, oh, like chocolate ice cream spikes me so much, but then you'd be surprised that, I don't know, like watermelon spikes you more than chocolate ice cream. So um, uh, I, I would encourage everyone to just go through that um, in, in a way to sensitize themselves on how important um, uh, it is to know um, uh, how to manage your glucose spikes better through lifestyle choices. Um, there is a lot, a lot of research that actually, um, and I think the um, influencer that I mentioned earlier, Jesse Introspace, she shows it in an easily digestible way mm -hmm. for the everyday um, consumer, um, uh, like what glucose spikes have in terms of long-term uh, effect on us um so so uh, in in a nutshell it goes something like first your um insulin goes out of whack then a couple of years later your glucose goes out of whack and then a couple of years later you get one of the like four or five big killers and die and so um and it's really sad but yeah, unfortunately yeah, yeah. it's like that and and so she quotes all these like um uh, harvard studies weizmann studies that actually show this correlation and and uh, attempts to give you easy lifestyle hacks to to improve it um, so i think doing this is also really cool i also think in general um everyone should should um, you know attempt at measuring um the through even simple wearables that exist today with the ppg sensors like the whoop the aura the fitbit the apple watch the garmin um what uh, impact lifestyle decisions some of which cost you a lot in terms of pleasure, some of you cost you nothing in terms of um, reduction of pleasure or very minimally, have in real time on your well-being. Um, and, and, uh, and then people can go crazy with like some of these uh, Huberman podcasts, which you're basically doing uh, in, in Switzerland, um, <laughs> and, and see like what does it mean if I sleep only five hours a night for like the next three years? Because, yeah. uh, and there's like a bunch of studies on that. And, and, and um, um, I think this would be a good start. What we aim to do at Spiden is re really aim to take the vitals that you would get from a typical uh, wearable um, device today, add the continuous glucose monitoring capabilities, and then add other markers on top. And quite frankly, even I 
cannot even imagine how the world would look like once we have like five, six, seven markers up and running. I just can't. Like, it's like when you, um, when you bought your first smartphone, um, you had no idea that one day you would do e-banking on it. And, of course, and dating yeah. your whole and, life would be uh, on it pretty it's crazy, much. Right. So, 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 um, I, I want to start with glucose and I want to get it right. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's um, and you're right. I think you know there we already have all these wearables. I'm curious to I would be curious to 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 see you know how many people do use all these features because like I have I think I have like a Garmin v Venus too. Like I use it for running, just playing music and um, you know monitoring with my run. But um, there's way more that I could probably do already with this that I don't do it. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting point. Do you measure your sleep? I don't, but do you, what wearables would you recommend? With, with uh, your any? Garmin would do just fine. Really? Yeah. Just, just I, like, I'm always, I'm always like wondering whether sleep, uh, in particular sleep tracking is really accurate because to me, the, way, the only way to measure sleep is through like an electroencephalogram. Mm -hmm. um, so I would be curious, I don't know, maybe like so, with the new ones. You so know. My, my opinion is it's absolutely not scientifically accurate as is a lab thing, but with everything continuous versus snapshot, how many days of your life would you like to spend in a lab under cable sleeping? Yeah, and, yeah. and sort of the trends become perfectly clear. Like you just see um, if you establish a baseline, um, what does it mean if you have one drink or what does it mean if you have 10 drinks yeah. in one night for your sleep? And, and like maybe, you know, you will find a balance which actually doesn't cost you much, um, but will give you a better sleep outcome. And you will also see um, uh, sort of your, your performance and running having slept more, having slept little, um, and you can also optimize. So while I agree with you on the accuracy, I think the, the trends and measuring every day, um, uh, like many people, not just myself, find, find quite interesting and helpful. Um, uh, I mean, to give you a number, I think last year there were like 80 million wearables shipped. So, um, so it's, it's a growing uh, market. Um, but but um, I, I also believe that cracking the applicable so what for my everyday life um no one has achieved yet yeah. like uh, on multi on a real health dimension like you don't really change your life um, um i mean the apple watch actually does very little of um interpreting yeah. they just provide you the data um a whoop for example does more interpretation um, but then some people say okay ah, whatever even if my uh, stress is very high i'll still go run whatever um i think here lies another whole challenge and, and risk, which we are very aware of and are working through in terms of like providing that data in an actionable and easy digestible way um, it, it remains also a holy grail, not just the excess of the, of the glucose um, uh, itself. Yeah. For sure. Given the degree of personality and given you don't want to, you know, orient someone towards a wrong behavior or wrong diagnosis or these kind of things and add like some kind of stress to it for sure could you maybe it's a bit early for for that question but could you share with us an anecdote from your work at spiden which made you realize the impact that you were having on people's lives um maybe you can tell me like in a few years from now you'll be able to yeah, i i i personally uh would defer that to to a couple of years down the road yeah okay. uh, because there i think it will be great stories we'll be able to tell yeah. so i don't want to um presume if i know i'll be certain to share some good ones yeah great so we'll <laughs> do another one a few years from now good <laughs> <laughs> um so out of every episode i really get inspired by the guests that i have the chance to to have on the show and you're no exception to it um there are certainly other other figures that you look up to yourself in the field of medical technology. Um, 
if you would recommend one uh, to be a guest on the podcast, um, who would that be and, and why would you recommend her or him? A person that I just think is doing phenomenal work that has a gigantic application to the, um, to the world um, is a guy called uh, Jacob Hanna. He's a Weizmann um, professor uh, that works on um, the field of um, basically um, like fertility and, and um, reproduction. That's yeah. how I would describe it. Um, he was able and he published already uh, a study in nature uh, with mice. He was able to take um, a skin cell and um, turn it into a um, iPS stem cell. Uh, there's this separate method that has been, uh, I think, uh, yeah, granted right. the Nobel Prize for this. And then with his method, turn it into a naive stem cell that turns into an embryo that develops basically that he feeds to develop outside of a womb um, artificially. So that embryo already has um, uh, egg cells, uh, spinal fluid, a yolk sac. So it's quite a, quite a breakthrough technology that he will publish more on soon and that um, I think will have a, a phenomenal impact on, um, for example, how elderly women can um, uh, conceive um, by being able to just create perfect eggs for themselves mm -hmm. all the way to like um, research platform for, for um, pregnancy, uh, all the way to like bone marrow um, uh, transplantation and, and uh, donations of your own perfect genetically matching um, uh, samples. So, so I, would, I would recommend speaking to uh, Jacob and very happy to connect you. Uh, he's based out of um, Rehovot in Israel, um, but, but uh, maybe sometimes you'll catch him on a conference uh, in Switzerland and, and can, can invite him to the show. Super interesting. And just to add additional context, so you mentioned IPSC, so this stands for Induced Pluripotent Stem Cells. So are like cells and that's true that i think it was the the subject of a Nobel prize where by you know introducing different factors into the cell you can bring it back to a less mature state and then you can orient its faith to other directions so you could say that a skin cell gets turned into a nerve cell or something else um, and that's crazy because what you mentioned is that you basically take a skin cell and you turn it into a new a newborn from the, the same species it's quite it's quite remarkable um, so how can we get in touch with you over LinkedIn per email? Yeah, LinkedIn is great. Um, yes, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, uh, I, I tried to avoid, uh, email because I already get, uh, my phone showed me the other day, like, uh, over 600 emails a day. So oh my I, God. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I prefer LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, uh, everyone who has questions. So what we do is right now, we actually, um, started, um, uh, basically various measurement campaigns um, and if people would like to participate um, in measurement campaigns and also get a uh, basically an overview of their biomarkers as a reference from the gold standard because we always need it as a reference um, we kindly invite these people to get in touch and I'll be happy to refer them even if they get in touch with me to the right person that runs these experiments and and uh, connect. No, that would be great and we can probably put that into the show notes as well um, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up no, I think, um, you know, uh, we, you had really good questions. Um, I, I always am relatively um, uh, openly sharing what it is that we do. And I also, maybe next time you're in the Fefficon area, very happy to invite you over and show you also the lab. I think it's one thing to talk about it. Yeah. It's a different thing to, to see it for yourself. So, so we're relatively um, open to also show um, uh, people around and, and show them what it is that we're doing. That would be awesome. 
No, thank you again so much for your time, Leo. Thank you, Mathieu. And, uh, for, the, for the open sharing, I feel really privileged and yeah, wishing you all the best. Well, thank you. For Spiden, really lots of success. And as said, I will, I think I will really follow closely your progress and we'll probably see each other in, in some events in the coming months. Latest in Munich, yes. Exactly. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. All the notes are available in the episode description. If you liked it, don't hesitate to share it with your relatives, friends or colleagues and subscribe to the podcast. I would be extremely grateful if you could leave a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps Impulse move up in the rankings. Feel free to reach out to me by email or through LinkedIn if you want to share your feedback, questions or suggest potential guests. Thanks a lot and see you in the next one.